Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 13, verse 25. Uh, you know, when I was putting together this, uh, uh, this sermon and God was giving me the scripture, Usually I condense the scripture like six or seven verses. It's because, you know, it's easier to digest, right? Not a lot. But um, God was just telling me, like, you know, do it all. You know, all the scripture. It's like, God, I don't like, isn't that too much scripture? And then, um, then you know, the Holy Spirit was like, there's no such thing, right? And, you know, kind of checked me in that. Um, and it just made me realize how much joy there is in reading God's word. Because um, we're going to be reading a lot of scripture tonight, but... Hebrews chapter 4, um, verse 12 says it best. It says, The Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit and joints from marrow. Uh, what he's saying there is like, you know, the more we, we, we read the Word of God, the more we step out of our flesh and into His Spirit, right? And so it, anytime I find myself reading Scripture, I find myself becoming a better man, a better, you know, son, leader, so I just enjoy reading. Does anyone else enjoy reading the Word of God? So I don't feel bad about reading a lot of Scripture tonight. Um, so before we get started, uh, I want to give some context. Uh, because I, I believe context brings clarity, right? Because without, you know, context, a lot of times we are confused. Um, so I'm going to talk about a little bit what leads up into it and what's going on in Numbers chapter 13. Uh, so it, it has been three years since the Israelites were led out of Egypt and were free. It's been three years since then. It's been three years since God is part of the Red Sea. Not only that, but it's been like an awesome three years for the Israelites because God has just been doing like so much for them. Because, uh, you know, they just, they just been delivered out of slavery and now they're free. And not only that, but they have this awesome God there with them, just loving on them. And a few things that he was doing, like, uh, you know, that I was reading, um, you know, they would go hungry, you know, during that three years. And so God sent manna and quail so they could eat. And then sometimes they would get thirsty. So God, uh, you know, would made, make a huge stream of water come out of a rock for them to drink. And sometimes they would get lost. So God would send, you know, a pillar of cloud, it says, to lead them by day and a pillar of fire uh, to lead them by night so they could know where to go. So God has just been taking care of them for the past three years and now so they've been traveling um, to this land that God has promised them and they get to it now they get to this land of Canaan where God has called them and uh, so Moses says hey you know what here's the land that God has called us to conquer here's the land that God has called us to step into so let's go and scout it out let's go check it out and so what he did is that he picked 12 spies or scouts from 12 different tribes and he said no go out go into the land of Canaan go into our promised land go see what's like go come up with a strategy get some information uh, so we can come up with the best plan uh, to step into that land and so that I know that's a lot of context but that is where we pick up in Numbers 13 25 and I'll read to this it says after exploring the land for 40 days the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. 
They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was the report to Moses. He said, we entered the land you sent us to explore, and indeed, it is bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces, and he you know, showed them the fruit. He said, he said, but the people living there are powerful, and the towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, descendants of Anak. Now, Anak, or otherwise known as the Anakites, uh, were a people of giants. Like, they were just like, they, they were giants. You know, they were a so obviously they were scared of them. And they live in, in the Geb. And the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live along the coast and sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb, one of the scouts, tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. He said, let's go at once to take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land disagreed. They said, we can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. They said, the land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Again, that's the giants. And he said, next to them we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. Isn't it funny when we put ourselves next to like our problems or our future, it makes us feel really small. You know, and, and um, powerless. So this is where the Israelites are at. It's, I know this is a lot, but is anybody sticking with me? You're enjoying the scripture? I know, like I said, it's a lot of scripture, but I felt led to read it. And it says, Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt, they said, or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? See, one of the enemy's greatest tactics is to convince us of defeat before we try, right? I mean, the enemy is already trying to convince the Israelites, don't even try to go into that land because you're going to lose. Like, they already convinced of defeat before they even thought about victory or even thought about trying. Then they plotted amongst themselves. Let's choose a new land. Go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back to slaves. They said, this is, I would rather be a slave, they said, than fight for my freedom, fight for my promise. I think it's crazy that a lot of people would choose a familiar misery over a foreign happiness, right? A lot of, a lot of people would, would choose, you know, something that we know, although it hurts and all, although we know we're not supposed to go there, we would prefer because that's what we know. And it's hard to go somewhere where, you know, it's unknown. We're almost done. Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is rich. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord, they said. Don't be the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. 
Joshua and Caleb are saying, I know what it looks like. I know they outnumber us. I know they outstrength us. I know they outsize us. But they said, but we have something that they don't, right? The Lord is with us. And as long as the Lord is with us, they can't, nothing can stand against us. He said, they are like pray to us as long as the Lord is on our side. Does anybody agree with that tonight? But the community wasn't convinced. In fact, as it says in verse 10, the whole community began to talking about stoning Joshua and Caleb. And that leads me to my title for tonight, which is the value in life's valley. Let's pray. God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for opening our minds, for softening our hearts, God. I thank you, God, that your spirit's going to take over. Your love's going to enrich all of us, God, and that your grace is going to show us that you are sufficient, Father. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to even gather under your name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said. You know, so the Israelites were so close to their promise, right? For three years, they've been traveling. For three years, God has been leading them. And they get to the place where God told them to go. But they see a problem, right? They're so close to the mountaintop where God has called them, but they see this valley they got to go through. And it seemed crazy to me that of the 12 scouts, you know, two of them, Joshua and Caleb, saw the same problem that the other 10 saw. They saw the same, you know, obstacles the other 10 saw. They saw the same everything that all the rest of the Israelites saw, but yet they saw victory and they saw, and they saw you know, Jesus in it. Because I believe they have a different perspective. So that's what we're going to talk to, about tonight. We're going to talk about the value in life's valleys. And the first point tonight is that Joshua and Caleb had is that you have to have a vision for victory. Meaning, Joshua and Caleb, you know, even though they saw the problem, they knew about God's promise. And they said, even though it doesn't really look like it, I'm going to trust God and I have the vision of God, you know, doing what he says he's going to do. He said, you know, Joshua and Caleb, they saw the same problem as everyone else. But in, instead of seeing, you know, doubt and fear, they had faith and said, you know what, we're going to trust God. You see, when God gives you a promise, you have to have the faith and trust to envision it happening. Or else you'll be just like the Israelites, right? Because if you, if you don't have the faith to see it, as soon as something bad happens or difficulty comes, you're going to be just like the Israelites and they're going to say, oh, nope, let's go back to Egypt. Because it's easy over there. I know we were slaves, but we're, you know, they gave us stuff. You know, it was easy. But if you have the vision and you stand firm and say no to the enemy, right? You say no to the devil. You say, no, I'm called to have a good marriage, right? I'm called to be a good father. I'm called to be a good mother. I'm called to have this business. If you stand firm, you won't run if you have the vision of victory. Does anybody agree with me tonight? Because I feel it tonight. Do y'all feel it tonight? So touch your neighbor and say, I don't know about you, but I'm not going back to Egypt, right? I don't know about you, right? Because God brought us out of something, and a lot of times the enemy tries to pull us back. As soon as we step out of it, and we're going, and we're going good, and all of a sudden difficulty, difficulty happens, and problems come our way, and we see it, and then all of a sudden the enemy says, you know, go back. Go back to where it was easy. Go back. I know, I, I know, you know it's not the right thing, but it's the easy thing. But we, we can't settle for our past. You see, because 
know, God did not create us to live mediocre lives or, you know, God is this, this master creator of the universe and he did not create us to live average. Just like the Israelites, he did not call the Israelites of his people to live in the wilderness or live as slaves. He said, no, you are my people, my chosen people. You're meant to live in the promised land. So tonight, what I want us to do, I want us to seize that moment and see the victory that God is calling us to and have the vision for it and live the life that God has called us to live. So that's the first point. Just like Joshua and Caleb has that we have to have the vision of victory. We have to be able to see it even though it doesn't look like it. We have to be able to trust God that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And the second point we're going to do, what we have to do tonight is that we've got to look and treat our setbacks as setups for victory. See, because only God can turn what seems to be roadblocks right. Only God can turn what seems to be obstacles in our life to actually stepping stones to life that he's called us to be. Does anybody agree with me tonight? Only God can turn that around, right? And so when we view our setbacks as setups for victory, all of a sudden we can't be stopped. Because if you begin to view failures as only a process of success, all of a sudden, you, you know, wait, nothing can stop you, right? Because, you know, people might say, hey, but you messed up. You say, no, I didn't mess up. I learned from that. Or they say, hey, no, no, you, you can't keep on going forward. You made a mistake. No, that wasn't a mistake, right? I'm learning from it. It's part of the process of getting to God's promise. So we got to view our setbacks as setups for victory. Because Joshua and Caleb said, I know it looks impossible, right? I know we, know we all see the same things. We all see the same giants. We all see the same obstacles, and I know from the outside looking in, it looks impossible. But they're saying, with God on our side, nothing is impossible, right? And we have to have the same vision in our life. Because when God is calling us somewhere, and we doubt it, and we doubt ourselves, not only are we doubting our own abilities, but we're doubting God, right? Because when, we, when God is pulling us somewhere, and we say, God, I don't know if I can do it, in reality, we're not trusting ourselves. We're not trusting God. I don't know about you, but I never want to put distrust toward God's way. You see, maybe it's not about our outer circumstance, but the inner confidence in God. Something like, you see, a lot of us, we want to go forward. We want to step into where God is calling us, but we also want to stay in our comfort zone, right? Because we love, right? The Israelites, man, they love the idea of the promised land. They said, let's do it. But as soon as they saw the giants and the Canaanites and all the things they had to go through, all of a sudden they got less excited about it because they knew they would have to step out of their comfort zone. You see, you have to be willing to step out of your convenient if you are to step into his covenant. That was really good. Did anybody hear that? You have to be willing to step out of what is convenient to you if you want to step into his covenant. And so the Israelites had to realize that if we want to step into the promised land, we're going to have to change some things, right? We're going to have to, we have to do some things that are risky. We're going to have to do some things that not everybody thinks is the right idea. And it makes me laugh because it made me thought about the difference between God peace and fake peace. Does anybody hear me? Because a lot of us can get those things confused. Because isn't it in the moments when we have been, you know, we're so far, like it's in the moments when we're so far out of our comfort zone, we're chasing after what God wants for us, 
You know, it's in those moments where we're taking those, you know, faithy, risky decisions, right? And although everything around us doesn't really look right and everything around us doesn't really look, you know, like it's supposed to be going, you know, doesn't look good, but all of a sudden God senses peace, right? And even though it's chaos on the outside, we feel God's perfect peace on the inside because it says that God sends his peace to comfort us, right? But what if we are already comfortable? Does anybody hear me? What if we're already comfortable to begin with, and we have that comfort, and we're not taking risk, and it feels good, and it feels easy, and what we say, oh, this must be God's peace, right? But in reality, it's fake peace, and that's just our own emotions, and we just feel comfortable. Does anybody hear me tonight? We got to know the difference between God peace and fake peace. Because here's the thing. God peace only comes when you step into his purpose. And his purpose is always outside of your comfort zone. So if you ever find yourself comfortable, and if you ever find yourself doing things over and over, and you don't feel challenged, I, have, I hate to break it to you, you might not be doing what God wants you to do. Because I, I, I pray to God, and I know it's a scary prayer, but I say, God, I never want to be comfortable you know, serving you. I always want to be getting better. I always want to be pulled. And that's a scary prayer because God met me on that, okay? <laughs> you know, uh, and he put me in situations that I didn't think I had the ability or had, you know, uh, the knowledge to do, do so, but I trusted God, and all of a sudden I realized, right, it's not about my ability. It's not about my knowledge. It's about my obedience. So we got to know the difference between God peace and fake peace. I know this was a kind of quick message, and I'm talking fast. And so I'm almost done. Uh, but are y'all enjoying tonight? I know we got, oh, we got both screens on there now. So remember I told you we were reading a lot of scripture tonight. So we're going we're gonna to pick up where we left off. Uh, Numbers 14, 10 through 12. We're going to pick right back up. It said, remember, they were about to stone Joshua and Caleb. It says, the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me, even after all the miraculous signs I've done among them? See, God was saying, How can they still doubt me after all I've done for them? Have you ever been in that moment? God has done so much for you, yet you still question whether or not he's going to do it again. Then the Lord said, I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. Then I will make you into a nation greater and mightier than they are. God said he was about to destroy all the Israelites. He said, you know what? It's been three years. I've been doing this with them for three years, and they still don't believe me. You know what? They never will. And he was about to destroy them. But Moses, over the next few verses, um, we won't read them, uh, but over the next few verses, Moses kind of pleads to God, and he says, you know, have mercy on them, God, please. Because, you know, God said he was about to destroy them and make a whole new nation from Moses. And so that would have been a long time, right? So Moses said, oh, well, hold up, hold up. Please, God, show your mercy, show your grace. And he did. And that's where he picked up in Numbers 14, uh, verse 20. It said, then the, then the Lord said, I will pardon them as you have requested. But surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter that land. They have seen all my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, 
they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. Let me tell you something. Listening to God's voice always leads to victory. Does anybody agree with me? They will never even see the land I swore to give None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I'll bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full seer of that land. Now turn around, he said, and don't go towards the land where the Amalekites and Canaanites live. He said, don't go towards the promised land. He said, turn around, for tomorrow you must set out for the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea. As I'm closing, if y'all can help me out. This is my closing statement. If you avoid the valley, you forfeit victory. You see, the Israelites saw the promised land. They saw the mountaintop. They were so close, but they saw the valley they had to go through. And they said, you know what? I don't think we're going to be able to survive this valley. Maybe we can do something different. But in that thought process, they forfeit the victory. You see... They were, after, after this, God said they, they were sent into wilderness and they had to wander for 40 years until that whole generation who doubted God was gone. All because they chose to avoid the valley. Let me tell you something right now, church. If you choose to avoid what's in front of you or avoid what God's calling you to do or avoid the battles and the valleys, let me tell you, you'll never step into God's promise. you never step into what He's wanting you to do. You know, this practically speaking, on a mountain, right? Who knows when you look at a mountain, most of the growth happens in the valley, right? It's really bare on top, right? There's not a lot of plants, not a lot of trees because it's too high. But in the valley, that's where all the growth happens, right? I think that's, that's awesome because if you don't grow in the valley, you'll never survive the mountaintop. Can y'all stand up with me tonight? I know this is a short message. And before I hand this off to Pastor Bobby, I want to pray. But if you're in this place tonight, you're saying, Caleb, I hear what you're saying. I've been avoiding things that God has called me to do. I've been avoiding the valleys God called me to go through so I can reach the mountaintop. I've been avoiding the battles. And I've been avoiding the battles. And, and because of that, I haven't had my victory. If that's you tonight, we're going to pray. Father, we love you, God. Thank you for giving us boldness starting tonight. Thank you, God, that our faith is going to be multiplied starting tonight. I thank you, Father, that we're going to stand firm on victory, God. That all the promise you have given us, God, all the dreams in our heart, we're going to have vision for them, Father. We are no longer going to see problems and turn the other way, but we're going to see problems and see an opportunity for your promise, Father. That starting tonight, Father, we are no longer going to avoid the things that you're calling us to do. We're no longer going to avoid the valleys, God, but we're going to go at them head first and trust in you, Father. So I thank you, Jesus, for filling us up with your spirit, filling us up with your love, God. Just filling us up with your faith and for us to be able to take every step forward in the direction of your will, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. At Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info@clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.